following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello everyone, it's Pastor Alan Gilman of All Saints Lutheran Church bringing you the message for September the 6th, 2020. We've had three weeks now, depending when you've seen this, it would be four, but um, before this weekend, we've had three weeks meeting outside on the church property, and we've had a really wonderful time. And uh, if you haven't yet come out, it'd be great to see you. Uh, we're going to continue meeting outside until the weather sends us indoors, and there'll be a whole bunch of extra protocols that we'll have to follow indoors, but we are prepared for that, and we're so looking forward to seeing everybody again. Uh, we're continuing our series on the Gospel of Mark, which, as you know, I've called the Remarkable Gospel. And um, we're going to get right into the reading. I'm going to read the same section that I read last time. This is Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 33. The verses we're going to be looking at this week uh, are verses 27 through 33, the, end, the very end of the chapter. So let's start at verse 12, chapter 11 of Mark. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. That's Jesus, of course. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to them, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple, began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look! The fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things, or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what, by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Let's pray. Our Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that's that's in there for us to discover. We pray that your Holy Spirit would unlock your truth to us. Lord, you've made it available to us, but 
We need your grace to be able to understand it, to hear what you're saying to us today through it, that you would transform our lives and make us to be all that you want us to be at this time in history. Please, Lord, open our ears, open our hearts, open our eyes. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as you know, this section is taking place in Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus had recently entered into the city on a donkey, and he was uh, welcomed by the crowds with shouts of Hoshiana, Hosanna, uh, deliver us now. And it was basically it was a scene of messianic fervor. He, the way it's told in the Gospel of Mark, he goes into the temple, looks around. It was late in the day. He goes back to where he's staying in a, in a suburb, Bethany, outside of Jerusalem. And he comes back the next day. On the way, he he goes looking for uh, early figs on this tree. And I, I tried to explain the strange story of the of the fig tree last time. If you if you didn't watch that or listen to that sermon, I encourage you to do so. And of course, if you have any questions about any of this, please email me at pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca questions or comments. Um, I'd be very happy to discuss these things with you. And so uh, what he does is uh, he he sees that this is a good-for-nothing tree, and he curses it, and he cleanses the temple of the commercial activities that were happening there. And um, and then the next day, he, when he comes back, the fig tree's withered, has a discussion about that, leads to a discussion about faith, and I tried to explain uh, what that means. Again, you'll have to listen to last week's sermon to get all that. And so then he comes back again to the temple, and that's a section that we're looking at today. And I'm calling this uh, this this sermon, The Political Trap. Uh, this is the second time I have called a message uh, a trap. The, the last time I did that was back in May when we talked about th- the tradition trap. And the thing with a trap, of course, these are metaphorical traps, right? These aren't literal traps, like an animal trap. Uh, but these are ways of thinking, ways of behavior, things that we do, how we approach life that are... Uh, destructive for us and actually uh, prevent us from hearing God properly, from relating to God properly, that prevent us from being the kind of people that God wants us to be. In May, when I talked about the tradition trap, it had to do with the confrontation of the Pharisees uh, towards Jesus about their disciples eating with unwashed hands. And we saw there how these religious leaders who I've called the keeners um, actually had added to scripture. Often people think of them as the traditionalists, but they're not the traditionalists. They actually were liberal in their theology in the sense that they had added to what God had said. And then they used their additional traditions to define what true faithfulness to God was all about. And so they were actually imposing their rules and regulations upon the people. And that is a trap, and it's a trap that we need to avoid. So this week we're looking at a different kind of trap that I've called the political trap. And so let's get into the the section. Verse 27 again. And they came again to Jerusalem, that's Jesus and his, his followers. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things, or who gave you this authority to do them? So again, they're coming to Jerusalem again 
It's the third time in the Gospel of Mark that he's he's come to the temple. And so what, whatever Jesus was doing and being critical about anything to do with the temple, he was not against the temple itself. He was confronting the temple system and how these particular leaders were abusing their place and position for their own purposes. He was not against the temple. The temple was going to be destroyed not because the temple was bad, but because it had become corrupted by how the leaders were managing it and how they were misrepresenting God in this very important ministry, this work that that they should have been doing for God, but actually they were doing it for themselves. And that's what Jesus was, was confronting. And then who confronts him? But it's the main temple leadership described here as the chief priests. Those would be the more senior priests, the scribes. They were the special, like the Bible scholars and teachers, and the elders. So these are these would be people who weren't themselves priests. They weren't scribes, but they were um, probably older, uh, recognized, um, important people in the um, overseeing of the the work of the temple. And and these people made up what was called the Sanhedrin the ruling council uh, centered in in Jerusalem. And so they believed that they were the supreme authority of of things temple and things uh, Jewish over the people of Israel. And they thought it was their right to confront Jesus. And and what they ask him is, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority to do them? Likely they are responding specifically um, to his kicking out of the money changers and the people buying and selling, crowding out the court of the Gentiles. And so it's for people who are the the in charge folks to ask this person who really doesn't have any uh, defined role in the temple. That's true. I, I know we could talk about Jesus, the son of God, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, Lord, but it, it was not part of his particular job description to have set authority in that in in, in the temple, at least from their perspective. Uh, and so they challenge him. And, and I've mentioned this before. Uh, it's right for leaders to to question and to challenge uh, people that are bringing in uh, no uh, novel novel things into their their structures into the way they're doing things. You just just because somebody has a, a good idea, even they're doing something good and they're they're teaching things. That that doesn't mean that they should do that. There's nothing wrong with and everything right about checking out what people are bringing into the community. So so far so good. Uh, where they where they blow it is they're actually not listening to God. They're not really open to God Himself. Having said that, at the same time, by asking them the question, that question, because they were the ruling group, they were implying, mm, you haven't been authorized by us. And because you haven't been authorized by us, it's really questionable whatever it is that you're doing and saying here. And so they were calling him to account as the ones who believed that they were the only ones that can give the authority to anybody to do anything uh, within the system that they themselves were managing. So the the ironic thing is the question could have actually been asked of them. By what authority are they doing 
what they're doing. Because the problem with this group of leaders is that they actually were not legitimate. I touched on that a little bit last time. We're going to be talking about that a little more next week, God willing. But the whole temple system had had become corrupt, and they really even though they were called priests and scribes and all their and elders, that doesn't mean that they were sanctioned by God. And it's interesting that people often, the ones who are most insecure about their own place and position, then become very edgy and challenging towards other people, whether their attempt at, at doing anything is legitimate or not. And especially, like you think of, of Saul, who lost his authority because he had he had disobeyed God. How he began to act out because of uh, David's rise uh, to prominence in in Israel in in his day, and and Saul goes down a a a, a spiral, deep, deep, deep lostness, um, and starts thinking crazy things about David. And that's often what happens. We begin to see when when we become usurpers of of true authority we began to see everybody else as usurpers and illegitimate when actually we might be the illegitimate ones especially that's the case here with the lord and messiah coming into their midst verse 29 jesus said to them i will ask you one question answer me and i will tell you by what authority i do these things notice how he's unfazed so here's the members of the ruling council confronting him and he stays completely in control of the situation. Now you might think, well, that's Jesus. Jesus is, is Lord. Jesus is the Son of God. Of course he's he's in control. Of course he's unfazed. Um, but we need to remember that this is this is the Son of God having become a man. He's he's conducting himself as any human being would in terms of his physical human limitations. The difference between he and us is that he is fully trusting his Father in heaven the way we are supposed to. And so he's not getting his identity from other people. He is not intimidated by this group of rulers, religious rulers that are confronting him because he knows who he is in God. He knows what his mission is. He also, because he's that secure in his understanding of himself and of his mission, he knows when he's being wrongly challenged, he has understand this is not necessarily prophetic and divine insight. He, he, he knows how to smell a rat. And that's what's going on here. And so he's unfazed and he throws the whole situation and the challenge back to them. Um, answer me. And I, if, so basically, if you answer me, I'll tell you about what authority um, I do these things. Now, this kind of reaction of them asking him a question and he's willing, he's willing to play ball with them. He's willing to answer their question if, if. They answer his question. Now, to many of us, that might sound a little strange, but in that culture, the the asking of questions, the having of discussion, having argument over uh, what's really of God, what's not of God, what's really true, what's not true, that that part would be normal. And so, it's it's clear they don't they don't say to him, young man, you have no right to talk to us that way. It's like he throws down the gauntlet. You know, you you know, you want to challenge me, I'll challenge you. If you answer my challenge, I will I will play ball with you. And they go, We're in. So and that's like just probably a, a cultural thing. Um and it is interesting, he 
he isn't obliged to answer their question not really he doesn't he, like he doesn't need to be rude about it but notice he's willing to to work with these men even though he already knows that they're playing with him they're they're trying to undermine him so let's see how it goes so the question that he throws back at uh the leaders and if they answer the question he will answer their question it's verse 30 was the baptism of john from he from heaven or from man answer me by saying from heaven or from man he's 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 saying it was was it god that sent john or is it something that john did on his own or people put him up to it some sort of human movement political religious this sort of thing or did john was john sent from god was he actually a prophet from god so basically he's asking them the same kind of question that they were asking him it was an authority question for, what source what was they want to know what jesus source is so he asked them what was john's source and he's saying if if you're able to answer that question then i'll i'll answer your question and he knows already that if they have issues with this and he knows he knows they're going to um he knows that they can't really handle him and they can't really handle the truth if they can't handle the truth about john he also mentions john i believe because the authority of john is 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 intimately connected with him and his authority because john came with a message of repentance and the the immersing of the people was a, a jewish a custom that had to do with when non-jews i believe i shared this before so when non-jews uh, would enter the fold of judaism judaism so to speak and become part of the people of israel that's the term was used those are called proselytes uh turning to the, the true god and being part fully part of the jewish community one of the right ceremonies they would do is apart from other things that they would say and pledge is they would be immersed in water likely to signify new life leaving the old life behind new life and and it's connected to the various ceremonial washings that happened um and and these and the priests were very aware of this because all around uh the second temple and you could see excavations of this in in Is israel today in jerusalem today there are many of these ceremonial baths where people would immerse themselves before um, going into the temple and offering sacrifices and and such and so when he talks about the baptism of john it's not just the fact that he was doing things with water it's what that water represented which had to do with two things it was repentance from their sins actually recognizing that even the good people among the people of israel were in this state away from god as if they were as if they were either apostates or non-jews having to turn to the true god and so he was calling people back to god and also he was there to lead the way to open the way to prepare the way for the coming of the messiah who is jesus so of course if john's baptism that which john did was from god you hardly have they don't have to answer the other question at all because if john was authorized by god then jesus is authorized by god but he knows he knows what they think about john and he throws it back at them and uh by now well not by now there's always 
you know, people around Jesus and people are listening. There's his immediate disciples that have been with him for a long time and other people that have gathered around the, the temple. And there's, so this, this crowd is the audience of this, of this interaction. And it's, it's interesting that this whole scene is, is, is quite hypocritical because, as I've mentioned, the, these, this leadership group, they were not under the authority of God, actually. And yet, so here we go. Let's see what happens. Verse 31. And they discussed it with one another. This leadership group discusses this question with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, meaning from God, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? And and the way Mark tells it just cuts it off there. If we, shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they're in a conundrum. They're in a conundrum because um, they actually don't believe that John came from God. But they don't want to say that because of the reaction they're going to get from the people. So they're faced with do we say the truth? And the truth would be, we don't believe that John came from God, which would make what, so Jesus is going to tell them that he's from God. He's, that, that's, that's not going to go well, but they don't believe that he's come from God. So he's, they don't believe he's come from God. Um, but they can't say that because of the people and what they thought about John. So are they going to tell the truth no matter what the people think or what the truth the way they understand it or are they going to lie in order to please the people and put themselves in this situation because if they say that that John is from God then they've answered their own question about Jesus authority but obviously they don't believe in Jesus authority that's why they're challenging him so they're stuck. And the way they deal with their stuckness is they say, we don't know, which is a lie, but it could be legitimate. If you can't read their minds, like we know what's really going on. And other people may have understood what was going on. Jesus certainly understood what was going on. Maybe his immediate disciples understood. But for an onlooker, they don't know they're still thinking about it. Give them more time. They're not too sure. You know, maybe some conclusions about what God's doing takes a couple of hundred years. I don't know. I don't know. And it, the, the I don't know question, we call that agnostic. You know, you've heard about agnostics. An agnostic isn't somebody who necessarily doesn't believe in God. An agnostic is someone who doesn't know. It's from gnostic. has nothing to do with knowing. Gnosis is the Greek word for knowing. So agnosis is not knowing. So I don't know. And a lot of people do that, do that with politics. You know, am I on the left, am I on the right? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, so I don't vote because I don't know. And and often people say they don't know and they don't know God. Like the 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 agnostics today, they look at the atheists who say there's no God, you know, it's crazy. People believe in God. And then there's the the believers, and they're perceived as all fanatical about God, and they think they know about God. And then there's the agnostic who goes, you know. It could be this. It could be that. I don't know. And it could sound so sophisticated and so intelligent when actually it's a cop-out. And especially it's a cop-out. Like, I still don't know how to do a Rubik's Cube. Now, maybe I haven't tried hard enough. 
but I've tried and I don't know how to do it. I could look it up, but right now I don't know. I actually don't think it's that important. And there's a lot of things in life I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I don't know the answer to the question because I don't know. But there are things the Bible tells us in Romans 1 that God's made himself obvious through his creation that so the people are without an excuse. And there is enough information and evidence and testimony for this leadership group to know what was what. Interestingly, they had they had decided that they that that to discard John. So in actuality, they thought they knew he was not of God. But they played the agnostic card. They they played it as if we don't know, could be this, it could be that. And I just want to encourage us all that that doesn't cut it with God. That doesn't cut it with God. God has done things in our lives. God has spoken to us. God has given us his word. The Bible is tested and true. You know, there, you know about people who have tried to disprove the truth of the Bible and come back believers because they investigated the truth of Scripture. And so there's the reality of God is something that can be checked out. It can be tested. There's no, you know, and some of us, you know, we play believer, but we're actually, well, I don't I don't know, maybe this, maybe that. And we don't want to take a stand for things when God has made his word and his will as clear as needed for us to live the kind of life that he wants us to live. But they played the I don't know card, and it's dangerous. Playing the I don't know card is dangerous because look what happens. Verse 33, so they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, this might sound a little strange at first, because they did answer the question. You answer, but actually, not really, because he said, if 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 you uh, tell me, let me see the verse again. Uh, I will ask you one question, verse twenty-nine. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Well, if there's one way that you could look at it that way, you could. He asked for an answer. But their answer was, I don't know. Jesus treats, I don't know, as a non-answer. So think about that. He also knew what was going on. He knew that they were playing politics. They would not tell him what they thought. And it's possible that if he would have said, no, John was from man, maybe Jesus would have answered the question. He said he would. What they had said was, I don't know. That's why they didn't get an answer from him. Um, but they chickened out from telling Jesus and others what they thought because they were scared of the people. And that's the political trap. That's the political trap. Being more concerned about what other people think and what they might do than doing what is right. Now, in their case, they were doing what was wrong. But they couldn't even be honest about it. They couldn't even engage the conversation because they were they were so worried about what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And when we're more concerned about politics, and I don't mean the liberals and conservatives and the Republicans and Democrats kind of, of politics, but like church politics and personal politics. Uh, if I say this, then 
that person might get mad. They might leave the church and take their money with them. Uh, I, I promised this person that, and I and we and I, I'm the one that has to take care of this, and 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 all the while not really concerned about what is God really saying. And so here are these politically minded religious leaders having an audience with the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of Israel, doing their due diligence. He's willing to have a conversation with them, but because they were caught in the political trap, he wouldn't answer their question. In the, We saw earlier how when uh, Jesus was seeking to teach his disciples about what he called the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod, and, and we're told that they couldn't understand what he was saying because they didn't understand really who he was and what he had done through some of his miracles. And because their hearts were hard, they actually heard different things than was coming out of Jesus' mouth. This all, frankly, scares me. We could be so fooled. We could be so fooled by our own ways of thinking that we can get caught in the tradition tra- tradition trap, in the political trap. We could be focused on the wrong things and God could be seeking to speak to us and we're not hearing him properly. Or what happened to them is the Son of God stopped speaking to them. Well, the, he goes on and, and tries to teach them something through a parable and hears what a horrible job they're doing. We're going to look at that, God willing, next time. But the point for for this week is, if if we're going to play politics with God, we're not going to hear him. He's not going to answer our prayers. In order to walk closely with God, we need to admit our faults in in. In the tradition of this church, we we have formal confession of sin, but do we mean it? If you've been at a service with me, and I'm not saying that I'm I'm I'm, I'm totally pure and perfect on this, but you know, getting ready for a Sunday morning and full of 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 all sorts of things going on and anxiety and 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 issues with you know family and other things happening in my life and and I get to that moment and I stop when I say let's take a moment to reflect and I and I think about my 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 behavior and my attitudes and I see oh god please forgive me and that's what we all need to do we can't come to a place where we think we're the ones who know and we're the ones in charge and we've got to keep this thing together and we've got to run this thing because there's only one head of the church, and it's Jesus. And when any Christian community, whether it's an organization, a fellowship, big or small, when people become the head, when people are the ones taking control, when people are the ones trying to manage everything to make sure things stay the way they are because that's the way they have to be, we're in big trouble. We're not going to hear God. And I'm pleading with anyone listening to this as I plead with myself, you know, what I go through when I read the Bible every morning, it's tough because God challenge, God challenges me through this book. 
You know, I've been reading it. Um, I've been a believer now for 44 years, and I've been reading it all this time. And yet I find myself challenged that my way of thinking of things may not be the correct one. Only God thinks correctly. And what does he want me to do? How does he want me to relate to life? How does he want me to relate to my family? How does he want me to relate to myself? How does he want me to relate to my, my church community, to my other friends, believer friends, non-believing friends, my own people, the Jewish people? What does that mean? Only God knows. And I, I need his strength and I need his wisdom and I need his guidance each and every moment of each and every day. And if if I think that 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 it's, it would be better if I just took control if I ensured things were the way that I wanted them to be, believe me, I'm tempted to do that. And my family would probably say that I've done that because I have done that with them. And I've had to repent. I need to lead my my family in the ways of God and, and not think that I can take the place of God in their lives, which is what these leaders had done in the whole temple system. And it was all coming down because God's not going to be replaced. And if ever we think that that we can take control and and take the place of God, I know that we don't think that's what we're doing, but we have to ask ourselves the question, are we doing that? Show us, Lord, how we're doing that. Are you really leading us and guiding us? Or are we doing things our own way? God help us all. I share about these traps because I care. Because God wants us to be free. He want, where, whatever stage we are at life, he wants us to fly. You know, our bodies might be, be decaying before our eyes. But God wants to build us up in spirit and our spirits can still fly. The real us of who we are is not based on the condition of our body and our, our bodies are part of who we are, but um, how we feel and our struggles and COVID shouldn't define us. God wants to guide us and lead us and use us in this time and beyond. But we need to be in a place where we can hear him and hear him truly. Let's pray. Our Father, please help us. Please help us in, in our concerns and our cares never to take your place. the way we believe in you, the things that you've taught us, may they never become idols. May our ears always be attuned to what you want to say to us each and every day. Help us, Lord. And thank you that as we humble our hearts before you, you will speak to us. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace. Bless our, bless us and our families. Bless our fellowship. Bless the, the, the Christian community throughout the city and country. And may we be a shining light to everyone around, especially in this difficult time. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, you don't agree? Send me an email. We can have a social distancing coffee, perhaps, or a Zoom meeting. Let's do it. I want to hear from God, and I want to encourage you to hear from God. Please appreciate your prayers for myself and my family, as always. And hopefully we'll see you soon at one of our uh, one of our services, inside or out. 
So until next time, this is Pastor Allen for All Saints Lutheran Church. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca. Thank you.